Hello and welcome to the Kitco Roundtable with me, Paul Harris. No Michael McRae this week, so me going alone. And I've got a very good co-pilot this week, uh, a person who doesn't really need any introduction at all, Rob McEwen. Good morning, Rob. Welcome uh, to Kitco Roundtable. Thank you. Thank you very much, Paul. Um, I suppose we could keep throwing your official title. You're the sort of chief shareholder of McEwen Mining, but you've been in the, the precious metal space for, for several decades. As I say, you don't really need any introduction at all. Okay. Okay. We've got a lot to talk about today, so I'm going to um, jump straight in with the uh, the first half of the news review. A couple of big uh, uh, eye-opening pieces of news this week. The first one was Goldfields to buy Yamana Gold in an all-stock deal valued at $6.7 billion, US dollars, uh, almost a 40% premium there. The aim there is to, to create a company that will be the world's fourth largest gold miner. The buy gives Goldfield significant America's diversification with producing assets and development projects in North and South America and pro forma production of about 3.2 million ounces a year. Um, another thing that really stuck out, stood out for me this week um, although at a much smaller scale, Orania Resources said it has found the lost city of Logroño de los Caballeros in Ecuador, one of the seven historic mining areas operating during the Spanish conquest. It was found by technology company Metron using Bayesian search theory, using historical, geological, geochemical and geophysical information to generate probability maps and likelihood ratio services showing potential locations for deposits of copper, silver and gold on Orania's concessions package at its Lost Cities Kukudu project. Um, Metron and the Bayesian search uh, theory that's uh, another way of using big data to try and find uh, metals deposits so um, there's potentially a lot more to come from that company and that kind of technology but uh, very exciting stuff um rob let's bring you in um what did you make you know people have been talking a long time about the need for more consolidation in the precious metal space what did you make of the sort of goldfields yamana deal goldfields for a long time has been trying to increase exposure outside of South Africa. So um, I guess the time is right. There's uh, interest in the market has softened. And so perhaps the price looked attractive for gold fields. Um, okay. There's, there's been uh, quite a bit of speculation whether that, uh, you know, there'll be another bidder coming in for Yamana, given how uh, gold fields uh, share price has fallen over the weeks. So uh, this may not be a, a done deal as such. Might not be. <laughs> there might be some shareholders who have something to say. Okay. Now, um, I want to sort of obviously talk about um, McEwen mining with you. And um, there, there's a lot of things I want to discuss. Uh, so it's difficult to know where to start. But um, I'm going to start with the, the first quarter conference call, your first quarter results conference call. There were many questions that you were asked after you gave your formal presentation um, where it was evident that um, – answers do not exist yet. It was in many ways a strange and uncomfortable call to listen to. Um, how was it for you? Uncomfortable to provide. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we, there was, you know, just COVID had it continued to drag us along and there was a lot of um, shortages of manpower. Uh, there was a mill that was not available for a while. So Fox um, operations uh, suffered there. Um, it, it's been, as you said in an article, it was, it was a tough year. It's been, it's been 
I felt like a harp seal off the coast of Newfoundland when the Newfies go out and har used to harvest these seals for fur and they just club them to death. <laughs> Something like that the last couple of years. Well, that's quite a, a vivid image you're, you're painting there, Rob, but let's get to brass tacks a little bit more. You know, what, what still isn't working as you thought it would be and, and can it ever work as you want it to? Is, is it just a case of more time, more investment? I think it's more time. Um, Fox is on target this this quarter. Um, Gold Bar continues to have some issues with carbonaceous ore, so its production is off. Um, San Jose, who's that's run our joint venture with Hoss Shield, they're saying they'll catch up uh, what they uh, they lost during the first quarter. They'll catch up over the balance of the year. Um, and Los Azulis. Um, We've got a new road in, which is great. You can have year-round access. Uh, the winter has just arrived in the mountains. And so um, our drilling program has stopped and will resume in October once uh, we enter the Argentinian spring. Okay. But uh, made good progress there. Lots of confirmation. We were doing angle drilling. Uh, most of the holes historically have been vertical. So looking for structure, lithology, getting a better definition on uh, metallurgy and other areas. So uh, pleased with how that's going. Thank you, Rob. Now, during the call, you talked about some of the sort of key hires you've made as you're sort of trying to right size the company, but you also made a Freudian slip and said you were seeking a new CEO, which is uh, your role. And um, when you meant you, <laughs> you'd been seeking a COO, um, you have success, you have wealth, you have many other interests besides mining. So, you know, has it come across your mind, you know, why am I still doing this? Why am I still put, still putting myself through this? Well, we have some interesting real estate. It's in various perspective areas. Um, I, t I am an optimist and have gone through times where when we were building Gold Corp, we had high costs at our Red Lake mine. We went through a 46-month long labor strike. I got a death threat out of it. I haven't got a death threat yet. So, uh, But I stuck around at Gold Corp, and uh, I think we have some really interesting opportunities with Los Azulis um, in Timmins. Continue to look at it. It's uh, basically been quite shallow in terms of mining and we're seeing, we're building confidence that it goes deeper. We have a few holes down there that suggest there's more down there, like a lot of the greenstone uh, formations that are in Timmins, the mines up there. Um, Gold bar, it, it's a bit of a head scratch. It's near some of the biggest gold mines in Nevada. Uh, and we have a number of targets. It's just a question of time and getting to it. Um, carbonaceous ore is just <laughs> one more thing that slows you down. Okay. Well, what's your sort of real motivation for, for, for keep on going? I mean, it can't just be talking to me once a quarter, Rob. You know, I, I, I'm sort of sad to say that, but... <laughs> but no um i think it's a sense of discovery and building something that can create a contribution to society and mining is very much building and discovering employing and then with that capital using it to uh, invest in areas that better society 
Okay. Now, throughout your career, I think it's fair to say you've been a visionary and you've obviously had a, a big vision for McCure Mining. You know, uh, you wanted to be one of the leading gold producers on the, on the New York Stock Exchange. There's not many of them there. And so you saw a, a window of opportunity to be a, a significant producer on the New York Stock Exchange. But now it's looking, you know, almost certain in the near term that you're going to lose that listing. Um, do you still think it's possible to, to you know, get that listing back? and become that significant producer on the New York Stock Exchange or, you know, is what's happening at Fox and Gold Bar? Are we getting into the territory of the joke, how do you make a small fortune in mining? I've used that line before. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think there's the um, staying on the New York Stock Exchange is going to be a decision the shareholders will make. There's a, there'll be a vote at our meeting on that. Um, so I think we're likely to stay there and it, definitely in the short term, we're not going to be challenging the positions of a Newmont or a Barrick, um, but we're still working along there. There, there is a lack of gold mines on the New York stock exchange mining companies and that membership on the exchange features into a lot of other passive investment vehicles, ETFs and the like. So it's a, an important source um, of capital. So, so we're still there. The, the methodology, the, the logic is still there. That's still the intact. Still there. The timing's just a little off. Okay. Um, we're going to sort of talk a bit more about uh, Los Azules in a moment, but um, another bit of news, let's stick on the copper theme. Um, Another bit of news this week that really sort of caught the attention, China's MMG has let go some 3,000 workers in Peru, workers in Peru due to the suspension of operations at its Las Bambas copper mine in Apurimac, following almost two months of continuous protest by communities. Um, adding in the multiplier effect of uh, what these jobs represent, some estimates put it at about 375,000 people are going to be impacted by this mine suspension. Um, in response to this, the workers have decided it's their turn to take to the streets to protest to the government at its inability to find a solution for these broad, wide-ranging social conflicts, which have dogged the mine pretty much since it began operations in 2016. Now, Rob... Um, McEwen Mining, you created Los, uh, sorry, McEwen Copper for the Los Azules project in San Juan, Argentina. Um, you can, the idea is to spin that out and eventually to seek a public listing for that. You yourself have put in, uh, I think it was $40 million of, of your own money into, into getting that company going. Um, what have you been spending that on and how is uh, McEwen Copper advancing? Oh, well, the money was spent uh, this season and it's the reverse of being in the Northern Hemisphere. So uh, it's been drilling. We've done a um, little over 13,500 meters of drilling. The drilling has been incline drilling. Uh, we had a number of majors looking at the property, um, got a few bids on the property. I thought we were, um, it was still too early to think about selling it because we had, it was a remote site you could only access it about five, six months of the year. Um, so we spent some of the money building a new access route in, and we now have two ways of getting into the property. I'd only choose to do one to try a year round access because uh, you have to go quite high on the, the, the original road. So we, 
there's a new access route. Um, there, the drilling, as I said, 13,500 meters. It's inclined because most of the uh, holes were uh, vertical. So better uh, knowledge of the litigraphy and structure. Um, that's gone on. The studies on metallurgy are underway, uh, environmental, all these, all the studies that will feed into an updated, first an updated preliminary economic assessment. Uh, and then following that would be uh, a preliminary or a pre-feasibility. And, and so the, the updated PEA would be in uh, Q, Q1 next year, um, and, and then it'd be a year or so for the uh, pre-feasibility after that. I think the, just addressing some of the issues that the majors had looked at and said, well, we can discount the price because you haven't done this or this. And we said, well, let's address all the things that they, they keep reducing the price with and say, well, they're no longer an issue. And uh, with the money I put up and the other money that's coming in, we'll address most of those issues. And I believe improve the, the value of that property, both to the new shareholders of McEwen Copper and largely the value to McEwen Mining. Um, and it's, we also uh, have utilized a firm out of Australia, Whittle Consulting, that does enterprise optimization. And they've looked at the initial mine plan and worked with a number of the variables to come up with multiple scenarios of what could be done in terms of the size and the throughput. Um, they've come away with some very interesting numbers, um, which suggests that the mine could be a very different looking creature um, than what it is described in the PEA, a larger, more valuable project. We've also brought in a, an architectural firm that is very prominent in the green living building space and saying, how do we envision the, this mine? Can we look at it and make it low carbon? Can we make it the greenest copper mine in the world? Um, renewable energies and others. And, and I remember we had a big planning session in December with all the people working on the project. And I brought this architect in um, and it was sort of a revelation to everybody there about what could be done um, at the different levels um, to change the way that a mine looks and operates and the legacy after mining um, that is complementary to the community and to the environment, not uh, taking away from it. I mean, that, that, that's pretty interesting, Rob, and, and that's also, I think, the, the way forward. That is the future. I also understand, I think, that uh, Whittle uh, Consulting, who you mentioned, in addition to optimizing the economics, I, I understand they're also starting to work and look at optimizing the carbon footprint of uh, mining operations. Yes. They see yeah. that as a future part of their, their you know, what they can offer uh, companies. Yes. They have quite a bit of information on that. I mean, they look at a lot of projects. I think they've looked at over 600 projects around the world done 
optimizations on. And so they have a lot of statistics about the embedded carbon and the different levels of carbon that are employed to develop a mine. Okay. Well, let, let's talk about financing. Let's go back to that. The The original aim was for, for you to put in $40 million, which you did, and you were also going to look to try to raise $40 million in the market from other people. That hasn't yet materialized, or at least it hasn't been any public announcement of that materialized. What, what's happening there, and why do you think it's taking so long for, for you to sort of raise that other money? Is, is it to do with your, your valuation? Is there potentially an aspect that uh, McEwen Mining is overhanging on that and people want to see how McEwen Mining plays out before they jump in to McEwen Copper? I think there are, there are a couple of reasons, Paul. Um, one would be that McEwen Copper is not a public company right now. So a lot of investors like to invest in something they can trade. Um, so that'd be one, uh, there've been, uh, several accounts that have come along and said, well, we're going to put it in and, but then they wanted all sorts of conditions and we weren't prepared to accept those conditions. Um, I had hoped we would have closed much earlier. Uh, right now it feels like we're going to do it. We were looking for 60 to 80 million. So another 30 to $40 million, um, Right now, it feels like we're close, but uh, and hopefully we'll make a press release before the end of this month. <laughs> um, but we have, with all that, it's good to know that the money that we have in will take us into next year without interrupting or delaying any part of the program we have. So I have been a little more relaxed about that. Well, we, you and I, we've spoken before about the copper potential of San Juan province. And in addition to yourselves, you've got Filo Mining doing good things there. There's been Jose Maria Resources recently acquired by Lundin Mining. Um, you can't get drills for love nor money. We've had that conversation. So you're certainly in sort of ground zero of what's potentially going to be the next major source of, of copper that the world you know, desperately needs. Oh, definitely. San Juan province. Um, I mean, the uh prospectors and developers conventions just two weeks away. Um, the governor of San Juan province is coming up and uh, having a number of meetings to spread the word that they're a very pro-mining province in the country. Um, and when you talk about San Juan, as you mentioned, there's Filo, there's Jose Maria, there's NGX, there's El Pachon, there's Altar, there's ourselves. I, th I think there's a real opportunity for a mega copper district just in that province alone. And, and the governor is very keen and the mine minister to see that investment taking place. Okay. Um, but you've made some comments recently. While, while all that is obviously true and the government national and local wants that, you, you've made some comments recently that um, that perhaps the government should be moving a bit faster to em embrace the interest that, that the province is receiving um, to put the conditions in place to really attract some good investment and to allow some of these uh, wonderful deposits to be built. Um, can you go into a bit more detail there? What, what kind of things would you like to see? Well, there are a couple of components and a lot of it is federal, but um, there's a, a VAT tax, value added tax of 21%, and that's to be rebated. Um, I'd say the country's slow 
historically returning that. Um, and that has a big impact on financing. Um, you want to see probably some incentives on the tax side and particularly exporting capital, exporting profits. Um, they tend to be slow there. They have an official exchange rate and a, and a street exchange rate. There's a big difference between there. And so there's, there, they impose large frictional costs when you move money in and out of the country. They're sort of putting you at a disadvantage, converting that money at the official rate, which is about half of what the street rate is. Um, and if they could work on those two, that would be excellent. Uh, and then trying to, there've been a number of people operating in Argentina for quite some time and Barrick's been down there and other Anglo. They've been able to work within the system, but I, I just think they need to carve something in stone in terms of regulations. Um, and if they did, you know, put it, define it in stone and the repercussions, if they violate that, that would be good. Change the tax and rebate the VAT as, as quickly as possible rather than on Argentinian time. Okay, well, thank you. Now, I'm, I'm going to be at PDAC and the Argentina events are some of the things I'm planning on going to. So hopefully I'll be able to find out more there. Hopefully, maybe even some government announcement about some of the addressing some of these things you've just mentioned, Rob. Um, I think that's pretty much it for our conversation today on the Kitco Roundtable. How can people get hold of you and, and hear more about McEwen Mining and McEwen Copper? Uh, my email is rob at McEwenMining.com. Um, we have a website that has information. We have a telephone number, 647-258-0395. Happy to talk to any and all. Well, thank you. And people can get hold of me on Twitter at Paul Harris Gold. Um, Michael McRae will be back with us on the Kitco Roundtable next week. Um, that's all we have for this week. Thank you very much, Rob McEwen, for joining us today. It's been a fascinating conversation, and I look forward to finding out more about McEwen Mining and McEwen Copper as, as the projects progress and the, the work programs progress going forward. Thank you, Paul. Be well. You too, Rob. Thank you very much. Thank you.